What's going on, everybody? It's one half of the Gridiron Guys podcast, your boy Russ Digi. This episode, we're getting into the evolution of the black quarterback. We're going to dive into everything going on from Fritz Pollard to Patrick Mahomes. So sit back and enjoy. Peace. Knock on wood if you're with me. What's going on, everybody? You are now tuned into the Gridiron Guys podcast with your boy Sean Pesos. And your boy Russ Digi. Got a special guest in the building. Well, he's not really a guest. It's more like in the shadows of this gridiron thing we we have here. Yo, what's yes, going sir. on, everybody? This is your boy, Sadi Stacks, back at it again. Pretty sure you've seen him on the videos, you know, voicing his opinion on certain topics. Yes, Posted. Right, right. <laughs> so this is this is part three. This is what I call the meat and potatoes of our four-part series. The, the evolution yes, of the black quarterback. Now... The black quarterback has a strange history with the league itself, and there are many reasons why. So who wants to kick this thing off? I'll go ahead and take the reins, brother. All right, so in the evolution of the black QB, just to kind of set a foundation, in 1923, Fritz Pollard became the, the NFL's first black QB. But it's kind of like a tricky situation because what he really was was a tailback. But in those days, they ran out of the single wing formation, and therefore, the tailback is the one that made the, the decision making with the football, kind of like a RPO, like what they would do. And the quarterback was actually behind the center, but in front of the tailback. And he was like the lead blocker, kind of like a fullback. But in the 1930s, the NFL started changing everything and they went with the traditional T formation in which the quarterback was under center. And then, of course, you had halfbacks and fullbacks to the left and right. And that's when it started becoming a more modernized game as we know it today. So he was a single wing tailback for the Hammond Pros. A lot of people know his name from the Fritz Pollard Alliance that has to do a lot with uh, helping black players in the NFL. And um, in 2005, he became a Pro Football Hall of Famer. Transitioning from Fritz Pollard, basically in 1949, George Taliaferro was the first black player drafted in the NFL by the Chicago Bears. He played quarterback, but he also played six other positions. And this is to kind of give us a foundation of how the quarterback position was even looked at pre our era. You know, I think all of us are 80s babies. So we start to remember the quarterback and know the history of the quarterback around the time we were born or a little bit before. And then that's when we start to move into players like Doug Williams, who was one of the players that we wanted to highlight. Yeah. So let, let's highlight Doug Williams. <laughs> he was the, was that 1987 they played in the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. I believe that was the year. My fault <laughs> for not having it off the top of my head. I believe they played the Broncos, who was headed by John Elway at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, Doug Williams played for the Washington football team. <laughs> but that's not what they were called at the time. Well, that's what they're called now. So oh, yeah, I forgot. Run away. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Man, we got we to be respectful to our, to our other brothers. Well, no, I, I, we definitely have to be respectful. But the only reason why I say that is because it's just a, a, a yes, ironic yes. thing, you know. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's, that it's, is yeah, that is right. That is right. You know, you say your first black quarterback for that particular team at the time is playing under those conditions, but mm. carry on my fault, brother. No, you good. You good. Just throw some new nuance in there. <laughs> but Doug Williams led the uh, Washington football team to their, what, that was their first Super Bowl, I believe? That, yeah, the that's the first one. Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't start the season as a starter. I believe it was, was it, Theismann was the starter? Mm-hmm. I believe so. I should have had this in front of me, but I believe Theismann was the starter. Yeah, I seen the joint. Yep. He got he hurt. Was. He yeah, was. He got hurt like week one, 
Then like Doug Williams started like the most rest of the season. Yeah. And even then, nobody really believed in Doug Williams except yeah. for Coach Joe Gibbs. Yeah, his journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his journey to from like in the NFL. I think he was drafted by the Bucks. He was. He was drafted right, by the Bucks. Right, he was. Mm-hmm. And um he spent some time with the Bucks. Then he went to the USFL. Mm-hmm. And then the USFL mm-hmm. folded. Then he went to Washington, whereas, you know, history was being made. Right. And it was also said that in um during the Super Bowl, their Super Bowl win with Doug Williams was the MVP. You know, like I said, coming in as a backup, one of the reporters asked him, How does it feel? How long have you been of um a black quarterback? How does it feel to be a black quarterback? He's like, Well, I've been a quarterback since I was in high school and I've been black my whole life. And I thought that was a very interesting quote when he said that. Because they like to differentiate between the quote unquote regular quarterback yeah. and the black quarterback for whatever reason that may be. I yeah, let right. people come to their own assumptions on what that reason is. Well, you know, we can kind of get into it. And the crazy part about it is that's the main thing. Uh, it kind of touches on the previous uh, episode, part two, where we speak about the wonderlick test and the intelligence factor that they believe the quarterback position has and how that relates to leading a football team and being a representative of the football team. The underlying message is they just didn't feel that a black quarterback was the proper representation of their team. And I don't know if that's for ticket sales or bigotry or what. That's always the question. It's probably a little bit of both because majority of ticket uh, buyers weren't black at the time, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So they see a black quarterback in what is a quote-unquote face of the franchise position. They're not mm-hmm. going to want to see that. It's kind of like the Jackie Robinson effect with the Dodgers. Right. So. But the funny part about that is you look at this situation, we're talking the late, the mid to late 80s when Doug Williams wins a championship and we're just now getting to a point where the black QB position isn't necessarily the first thing they highlight when they talk about a quarterback. Yeah. So it just goes to show you how, even though we were supposed to come like a long way, it just took a long time to get to that point. The yeah. trust factor wasn't there for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. When it comes, yeah, when it comes to us, man, it seems like we always it always takes us longer than it should. You know what I mean? We probably, he should have been, there probably should have been, you know, starters within like maybe like the forties, fifties or something like that or whatever like that. But that had to take to the eighties for a black quarterback. He wasn't even a starter. He was a backup. Exactly. And even with Doug Williams winning that Super Bowl, he was cut maybe the year after or the year after that. Right. So. And, and was never really looked at as a person who, you know, had the the football acumen to have head coaching jobs or high profile, you know, uh, football opportunities, you know, through his entire career. Because when you look at it, he came from an HBCU. He played at Grambling State University. You know what I mean? And so you're looking at his journey as one of being a journey to pave the way for a lot of HBCUs. But because his career didn't pan out the way that a lot of other careers pan out, you know, you didn't see a lot of people take that route. Right. right. I wish I wish more uh, athletes take that route. Well, it's starting to become a thing in the NBA, hopefully. Right. And that's just because these kids want to take ownership of their own careers because they're making so much money. But the last uh, uh, the only other HBCU QB that I know that was high profile was Steve McNair going to Alcorn State. You know, yeah. that's the only one I could think of. And so it's a crazy situation because you look at Doug Williams, you look at how he came in. You know, they rolled the dice. He won a Super Bowl. He's the Super Bowl MVP. You think that's enough to get you to a place of, of good stature, you know? 
And to be honest, they don't even mention Doug Williams in their history like they should. No, not not at all. They, not at all. But do you think because <laughs> he was a backup? Do you think because he was a backup is that why? Um, that, it's possible, sir. It, it is possible, but that shouldn't be the case. He got you your first, your first ever championship. Like, well, well, we have a perfect comparison for that, right? Nick Foles. Back I was up just about to say. I was just about to say white, that too. <laughs> white QB. You know what I mean. Won the Eagles their first Super Bowl. They only had an NFL championship in 1960. True. So it's 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 interesting to see how that how that'll play out because you know it's not about us pulling the race card. It's about us just highlighting and illuminating the history of the black QB. So I mean, if it if it's a fair apples to apples comparison like this one, you know, only time will tell with Nick Foles. Well, I can tell with Eagles fans, they respect Nick Foles way more than they respect Carson Wentz. Definitely. But to see, that's the thing. We always have that problem. Like, I don't know how it was for y'all. I'm pretty sure it was the same way, but you ran your uncles and, and, you know, they're talking about Doug Williams and they talk about how he was a bad boy and so forth and so on. And over time that fades because that's different from history. Same thing right. could be with Nick Foles right now. We're living in it. Right. But let's say 10 years from now, these little kids like my son, they'll be teenagers. And then what? Well, they know who Nick Foles is. No, they won't. No. They, won't they might not know how cold he is. And we don't got <laughs> tapes. Like, I know we got YouTube and stuff like that, but we don't really got tapes on how good Doug Williams was like that. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, a 24 you know I mean? hour cycle back then. Like that's like what I know. Um, Everybody here watch basketball, too. That's like with Jordan, like kids that grew up today that don't mm-hmm. know that buy Jordans, but don't know who Jordan was. And never seen yeah. Jordan play, but you got to go on. At least you got tape on Jordan. Yeah, you see how cold yeah. Jordan was and stuff like that. We don't know how good Doug Williams was like that, but I mean, he won. He was good enough to win the Super Bowl. I mean, definitely, because that's the playing field. That's the that's how you measure a man, right? Everybody's trying to win that Super Bowl that year. So all of the greats that you know on defense and offense were trying to win that same thing. Walter Payton was still alive. There's plenty of greats that were still alive. Dan Marino was in the league. John Elway, Joe Montana, they were all in the league. Was it Bo Jackson? Was Bo Jackson in the league at that time? He was playing for the Raiders. Yeah, Bo was there. Two sport king. Right. Bo was a beast. Yeah, definitely. So I mean juice. <laughs> juice. I think Juice has been retired by then. Yeah, juice. Juice, juice might have been playing for the 49ers then. That's how weird it was. But nah, he wasn't because Roger Craig was there by then. But yeah. you know, um but a couple of, of Go ahead. Go ahead, bro. No, you got say, it. Speaking of greats of that era, let's talk about the ones that didn't eventually get to the league, like a Warren Moon, who had to go elsewhere. Right. Right. Yeah, his journey was crazy, man, for him to get into the league, to get the opportunity. But once he did get the opportunity, he ain't let that bad boy go. I think he played for like 17, 17 years. Yeah, he was a nine time pro bowler, man. He was first team all pro in the 90s, offensive player of the year in the 90s. You know, what I mean, 1990, he led the league in passing yards in 90 and 91. He was the touchdowns leader in 1990. So it was like a really a really good uh, season for him. But from 78 to 82, he was the Great Cup champion in the CFL. And in 80 and 82, he was the Great Cup MVP. So he was killing in the, yeah, in the Canadian beast. Football League. You know? And the crazy part about it is we talk about so many different QBs, right? Whether we're talking about a Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning, people like that. They never really mentioned Warren Moon, but Warren Moon threw for 49,325 yards, man. Later on in his life at that point. Exactly. He had, he had burned up the hotness in the CFL and turned around and still had 49,000 yards to give to the NFL. Right. For the so, oil, for the Houston Oilers who no longer exist. 
And right. the Chiefs. And the crazy part about it is in the CFL, he threw for 21,000 yards. So if you were to add that all up, he was he would have thrown for 70,000 yards. Yeah. You know, and that's the, the kind yards of list. Exactly. He'd be at the, well, not the top right now, but you know, the game is changing, but he'd be right there at the top. And at the time he left, he would have been at the top for sure. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's just a different situation, man. You know, the opportunities that were squandered by black QBs in the eighties, they, they tell it, they, they have a different history, a different course of history. If they were given those opportunities, you know, I was going to say, do you think that because like, I remember you was, you was talking about that, like our uncles and our fathers and stuff like that, that mm-hmm. would speak on like Doug Williams, like, you know, back in the day, that Doug Williams was a bad man. And uh-huh. you know, we talk about like Warren Moon and all this other stuff like that. So do you think that like, we also like, we, we, we know of, I know of Warren Moon. I remember the, the, the history back in the day when he used to play the bills and all this other right. stuff like that, you know, he used to give us headaches and whatnot up here. Like that. Right. We don't also bring them people up too. We kind of like, just like in the moment right now, we're talking about guys that probably like when we was in like, I say like middle school, high school, with mm-hmm. the guys that we was kind of like, when we was coming up, like, Oh yeah, I remember this guy, that guy, you know what I mean? The guys that we talk about, we don't talk about them guys enough. Either. So you saying we should pass down we, history? I, I, but we do, in a way. When you think about who those guys were, those are the Michael Vicks and the Allen Alphersons of the world. Yeah, yeah. especially Randall Cunningham. You know, we, we give that game. Right, <laughs> we give that game. Right, but I think, I, I, well, I think it's just like, well, I think we do. Maybe I should have rephrased it. Maybe we do, but the media don't. And I think because they'll, they'll bring up like a Brett Favre or something like that. You know what yeah, I mean? And sure. I wasn't not, I was like, I don't hate Brett Favre or nothing like that, but Brett Favre to me wasn't all that. For sure. He wasn't. You know what I'm saying? And we, and we touched on that before. Like, you're absolutely right about that point. If you're talking about from a media perspective, they don't. They, they rarely highlight those people. And the only, the only time you really see people get their love is when they become an analyst or a correspondent. Like, you know what I mean? You know, Michigan's Fab Five gets a lot of love because Jalen Rose works for ESPN. You know, Mike Vick is a, a analyst for Fox Sports One, so you kind of see him a little more. So when Lamar Jackson started doing his thing, they would ask Mike Vick about it, and that kind of gives the kids a, a couple of highlights to look at. But, you know, kids make their own greats, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kids make their own goats. So for every for every Jordan fan you got out here, you got a Kobe fan. And for every Kobe fan, you got a Braun fan. And soon it's about to be somebody else. You know what I mean? Right. We don't know who that person's going to be, but they're going to grow up looking at somebody else that way. So it's up to us to to kind of impart that game. But I don't think the media ever do it. And they didn't, they didn't do it when some of these players were playing. So, right. Right. But we ain't had them shows like that, though. We ain't had we didn't have Sports Center and these debate shows and the Internet and this that, and the third by that by at that time. At that time, like that, we have all. <laughs> no, no, I think like, Sports Center was a thing back then. Well, not in the eighties, but it, the nineties for sure. It it was, but you got to remember, it was a it was a different type of, of situation. You only got up there if you made the highlights, so you had to be flashy. You couldn't even just be like a statistical maven. Like Tom Brady wouldn't have survived in the Sports Center era because no. what are you going to show him making a ba- a basic pass? You yeah, know what I mean, slant route. Yeah. So, um, you know, not only touching on uh, Warren Moon, but I wanted to give Randall Cunningham some love. And uh, one of the main things about Randall Cunningham that I thought was cool, my uncle, my uncles, my uncle, my great uncle, they happen to be Washington football team fans. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't. (laughs) And of course, we all know that the Eagles, that's a division rival. So I remember one game, man, where... Randall Randall lined up in the uh, in the formation and then he dropped back the punt. 
And he punted that ball 70 yards. And my uncles just went off like they not even a fan of the Eagles. But they, man, you see that man? He punted that ball. That's a black QB. That's a black QB. And you know, I'm like seven, eight years old. I'm like, okay. Like, you know, I I don't understand what it means. You know what I'm saying? But, but seeing that, seeing how he played for the Eagles, seeing how that transitioned into a career with the Vikings. You just look at that man at that time and his athletic ability and you say, man, what would it have been if he were given the proper opportunities? Right. Like when he was in Minnesota, that's when I was like a big uh, Randall Cunningham fan. That was like. Yeah, it was him and Mars. Him and Mars, yeah. dude. He was, dude, had a laser. And he was old by then. Right. And that's, the, that's what he I'm trying to get his at. That's his second. League. That's his second act. His second act is with Randy Moss and Chris Carter. Before he was a whole different dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy how like a lot of our, our QBs and, and heroes of that time, they they get these situations where they show and prove, but somehow, some way, you know, the opportunity is taken away from them. It gets overlooked. Yeah, tremendously. Or somebody that the the majority feels that is a better look for whatever reason that may be. Mm-hmm. But do you think that Randall Randall Cunningham, like that team at that time, wasn't because the Eagles didn't win nothing? No, the Eagles at that time weren't great at all. You weren't that great at all. So was it just like Randall Cunningham was in a bad situation? So let me ask you a question. You ever heard the name Boomer Esiason? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He played for the uh, Jets, right? No, he played for the Bengals. One of my favorite QBs growing up because he was left-handed. you know, okay, right? So he's a left-handed QB that plays for the Bengals that ain't never win nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Ain't no different than Randall Cunningham, but Boomer Esiason, he was in all the commercials. Mm-hmm. His name was ran out there a lot. No, you know I don't mean, I mean? I don't mean him being in the media. I'm not talking about him being in the media. I'm talking about just like that team, overall team success. Like, because that, that's a Rand- comparison. Because Randall, like, because he was on the Eagles and the Eagles wasn't really that good. But, that, but that's my point. You had yeah. plenty of teams that were like that. You oh, know what I mean? Yeah. You had plenty of QBs where we knew the name of that particular QB. Man, like, all right, no joke. Dan Marino ain't win nothing. Not a thing. Right, Dan Marino, John, all the, he in all the commercials. John Elway, John Elway ain't win nothing until we were damn near in high school. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he had, he lost Super Bowls. He had lost to us. You know what I'm Bowl. He didn't Dude, just lose. He was collecting yeah. Social Security by then. That's what I'm saying, man. So for, to so to answer your question, no, you're right though. You got I got you. It's part of it. You know what I'm saying? It's definitely part of it. But it's not like there's not examples of other people having those opportunities and riding that out to the sun. You know, to the sunset. Because all of those, all those guys, I, I'm pretty sure Boomer ended with the Bengals. I'm not sure about that one. But I'm Dan Marino ended with the Dolphins. John Elway, of course, he ended up winning yeah, Boomer, two, two did, Super Bowls. Dan Boomer played for the Jets. Uh, he may have, bro. He may have swore he played for the Jets. Like I could have swore. I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going to argue you down on that one. It's a possibility. But by Boomer that time, we definitely know that time. We know Boomer was done by then. And Boomer wasn't the greatest of QB to begin right. with. Trash. But that's the whole point. That's my whole point of bringing them up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bad. The history is is bad, and it's it, it yeah. makes me shake my head sometimes because yeah. I look at some of these QBs I grew up watching, and mm-hmm. it's like. Had they been in the right situation, it's almost like the Barry Sanders thing. Yes, That's he's it, a man. legend. He's a Hall of Famer. But had he been in a better situation, who knows how much he would have flourished. Right. And the one thing that saved Barry Sanders was, was two things. One, he was super electrifying. So he was must watch TV. And two, he got out of there so quick. Yeah. 
It took 10 years, I'm done. 15,000 yards. You couldn't deny it. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't deny it. And the only reason why people, I believe, put Walter Payton over him is because Walter Payton won a Super Bowl. But if you ask me, Barry Sanders is the best running back to this day that I've ever seen in my life. That's my personal opinion. Though. Uh, I'm going to let you rock with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, would, I would entertain a lot of other running backs. But if you're just talking about sheer football, right? Mm-hmm. In that era, you could knock a fool's head off. True. Everybody admits that Barry Sanders didn't have a line. Right. Detroit. Oh, he ain't had no O line. Detroit and been ass for quarterback years. was trash. Scott, Scott right. Mitchell Quarter- was my guy. <laughs> Q- he was QB was tr- but he was trash. <laughs> QB was trash. And this man got over 15,000 yards. And mm. at the time, that was second place. You know what I mean? Behind Walter Payton. And the only reason why, reason why Emmett Smith even remotely played past him is because he played damn near seven more seasons. Played 99 years. But you know what I'm saying? Let's so, get back to the QBs. For sure. All right. Running backs for another day. <laughs> Definitely. So I think we could take this opportunity. We'll mention other people. You know, if, if y'all don't even mind, I'll just get into this quick list that I thought was pretty interesting. So you got playoff starters of all time, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to just run down the names. I ain't going to stop. It's James Harris, Randall Cunningham, Dante Culpepper, Aaron Brooks, Steve McNair, Quincy Carter, Doug Williams, Cordell Stewart, um, Warren Moon, Sean King, not Sean King, the activist, but Sean King got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Michael Vick, <laughs> David Garrard, yep. <laughs> David Garrard, uh, Donovan McNabb, Cam Newton, Robert Griffin III, <laughs> Russell Wilson, Colin Kaepernick, Teddy Bridgewater, Dak Prescott, Tyrod Taylor, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Mahomes. That's a short list given the length of history this week. In the history, playoff starters. This isn't people who played in there, but people who were penciled in to start. That's all we have. How many is that? It's probably like 20 at the most, if that. One, two, three, four. It's not a lot. Yeah, it wasn't a lot. 23. Oh, more than 20. But but the league's been around 101 years. Well, you got to think of how how current how 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 long did it take me to get to the names that you just remembered? I said James Harris, Randall Cunningham, Dante Culpepper, and then it was Aaron Brooks. Yeah, I forgot about Aaron Brooks. I was like, oh, yeah. we I was like, Aaron oh. Brooks, Steve McNair, Quincy Carter. We, so, with that said, that just transition transitions us right into that era of you know probably one of the most electrifying football players of all time. I'll let my brother Sean start off with him since that's his man. That is my man. I love Vic to death. <laughs> but some of Vic's downfall is his own doing. I'm not even speaking on the dog fighting thing. I'm speaking on the X's and O's of it. Okay. He was electrifying. But a all lot right. of that didn't need to take place if he had just have- studied the playbook and read his reads. I have a rebuttal later. Okay, yeah, you can make the rebuttal now. Okay. My rebuttal is Michael Vick, two up, two down, VA, 757. Got to represent hometown. I the VA. Um, he, he basically was put in the position that his predecessors were put in. They didn't want to design a system for him. You know, you have a lot of quarterbacks that come out out of the combine, they can't run worth a lick. They can't do anything. They may have a high wonder lick score. They may not, but they're going to come up with an offensive scheme based upon what they're good at and what they like to do. For Michael Vick, it was always, we're going to make him a pocket passer. 
At the end of the day, if somebody told you to take away your best attribute in this play, go out there and throw to somebody who the only per- the only weapon you got really is Algie Crumpler at the time. And you know, Michael no diss to no Roddy White or Michael Jenkins, but they weren't like no, no, pro bowl caliber players. No. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. that's your weapon. You drop back, you got everybody coming at you. Derek Brooks, uh, Warren Sapp, you got all these guys coming at you. Don't use your feet. Oh, no, I'm, oh, not, saying, I'm, not, not, I'm not condemning him for that. So he's probably not even going to take the opportunity to even learn the playbook because he know the playbook is whack. Okay. But that's just that's just my argument though. That's not the, no, that's no, not no. that. I'm just shooting him some bail though. No, I, I love, like I said, I love Vic Dev, but just think how crazy he would be if he actually got the right coaching and he used his iron more than his legs. Well, and that's, it was more that's of a the, balance. Now let's let me ask you this, not to fast forward too much, but you see the difference between Michael Vick had to cross so Lamar Jackson could walk. Actually, I'll rephrase that. Randall Cunningham had to crawl so Vic could Facts. walk. Facts. Randall Cunningham well, was the, he was like the first. Well, well I, I kind of see where y'all going for going from. Like, I see where you're going with it, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about the talent level with your legs, yeah, Vic those two are the highest. Yeah, true. It's just those two, right? Like Randall Cunningham definitely played, paved the way as a black QB, as a quote unquote proto, uh, prototypical scrambler, as they would say. You know what I'm saying? But he could have been a running QB of any, any magnitude because he was just a great athlete, but Michael Vick just had a different type of speed. And Lamar Jackson is the only other QB with the skill set that I believe has that speed. You haven't seen that since Vick. Right. But we'll get to now, that. now, oh, I'm sorry. I neglected to say Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> and I and the reason why I thought about it is because Baltimore had the faith to get Greg Roman to institute a plan for Lamar Jackson. The same thing he did for Colin Kaepernick when he was in San Francisco. If Vic were to have a coach that did that, we may have seen something totally different. We did see something different. Look at <clears throat> look at him in Philly under Andy. We did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I, agree. Look, I look at Jim Mora and those guys like you failed my man. They did. I the agree. organization failed him at the time, and that's my squad. I love him to death, but I just call it spade a spade. Yeah, I agree. At one point in time, I thought there would be a ne- never be another Vic. But with Lamar, I'm seeing flashes of it. But even with that, Vic just had something a little different to him. He kind of had did. the Iverson effect Definitely. in the NFL. Virginia, two up, two down. Yes, sir. 757, Iverson Vic. There's, there's, there's two references to the uh, 757. All right. Cool. Hey, man. Hey, man. This is real. Hey, but no, man. I got I, I agree with you, though. I agree with you. And it's a shame. And I think that's the, the major thing that we're starting to see currently, which we'll get into later, is that these coaches, now that they've gotten over the the stigma or the stereotypical black QB reference and questions and just buying into it, the way that these college coaches have done for years, they're starting to reap the benefits and see the rewards of just designing something around a player skill set. You still got a few. You still got a few people out there that still question whether or not that black quarterback can, you know, get that done. Well, you even though we see success, you saw that firsthand. Well, is we, is we jumping into that now? Because there's other black quarterbacks. No, right after, before, like Vic, we'll, it was like Vic. Then it's like, well, we'll like, get McNabb. into it later. We got to talk about McNair, yeah, McNabb, McNabb. Yeah, so we definitely have to do that. So 
just not leaving Vic necessarily, but just yeah. bringing them aboard. You know, Steve McNair is one of the few black quarterbacks that made a Super Bowl uh, appearance, you know, and that yeah. list is At a very time, yeah. short. It's a very short list to this day. <laughs> what is it? Three, four quarterbacks? I give it to wait, you. Wait, 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 wait. Starters. I'm going to just give you the starters. Okay, okay, you can guess. Go ahead. Go ahead. Russ, Pat. Yeah. Doug. Mm-hmm. Cam. Yep. Yep. McNair. Yep. And I believe that's it. Cap. Nope. Oh, Cap. Cap. Okay. And one more. Who am I forgetting? You said McNair. Oh, McNabb, duh. There you go. That's against, it. Against man. the Patriots, duh. That's in right. the history of the in the history of the NFL, there's only been seven black quarterbacks to start in the Super Bowl. Doug Williams, Steve McNair, Donovan McNabb, Colin Kaepernick, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, and Patrick Mahomes. In a hundred and one year history. Yep. I'm going to keep bringing that up because that number is just astonishing to me. So, yeah, it is. But that that goes to show you how coveted the quarterback position was um, and still is. But just to show some love in that Vic era and mentioning McNair and McNabb, those are two QBs that made it to a Super Bowl. Now, they didn't win, you know. And McNair definitely had a great show. And Donovan McNabb, not so much, but still respectfully done. He got there. You know. Yeah. yeah. And he played in Philly. And he played in Philly. That's a tough crowd. That's a tough crowd to play in. I felt felt bad for McNabb, like his time there. But, I mean, (laughs) it took him a while for them to, like, accept him. But but once he did, he was good. But, man, like, I, I felt bad for McNabb, man. Yeah, the love wasn't there for him. And uh, I think he was definitely a, a leader, you know, in that in that regard. It was uh it was a lot going on in that era. Um and he was and it different was just tough. He was different from the Vic, like the leadership. When you talk about the leadership and stuff, like Vic, I don't know, Sean, know you maybe you could probably like, you know, elaborate more on that, like Vic's leadership style, but McNabb was to, like a totally different, it's polar opposite of what Vic was. Vic was more of a but I'll go out here and make it happen. I'll try right. to bring y'all along with me. Right. McNabb was, a, I'm going to take charge, gather around me, I'm going to put it on my back, and y'all just roll with me. It's 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 kind of like the same, but it's different. That makes sense. It is different. I, and this is what I'll say about Donovan McNabb, too. He was one of those players that he didn't necessarily try to break the mold, right? Like, that was back before quarterbacks were throwing crazy amounts of touchdowns you know, where like 30 touchdowns, 40 was absurd. 50 won't even really, you know, in the, in the spectrum, you know what I mean? Before Peyton Manning really got off like that. Uh, Donovan McNabb would throw like 15, 16 TDs a year until he got T.O. And that's when he threw over 30. You know what I mean? So he kind of was more of a play it safe. I don't want to call him a game manager because all no, of them were kind of game managers. Game manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. He He's more than that, but his statistically, he wasn't trying to b- break a mold like Michael Vick was trying to break the mold. Like he was doing something totally different. It was like a by any means necessary approach to getting that ball in the end zone. Yeah, Donovan McNabb, you saying he was more like a company guy, like a company yeah. man, something yeah. like that. Let me just go ahead and push the buttons, follow the mm-hmm. script. Yeah. Maybe that's due to the environments that they played in. Just speaking on Vic and McNabb. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it de- that definitely has something to do with it. It's kind of odd because, you know, uh, McNabb went to Syracuse. You know what I mean? And he wasn't he wasn't even super beloved there or beloved as a QB. So for him to come to Philly and get that Philly love, 
you know, it was cool, but he also caught a lot of that that hate. That man got his man has tough skin, man. I give him that for sure. He like, caught a lot of flags. A lot of he flag. did. He did a lot of that was due to his personality, but a lot of that was also just given to him. You know what I mean? They just placed it at his doorstep. Because my only beef with him was that T.O. beef. Yeah. Like, I just never understood how this man put you in a position to be super successful and you couldn't get out of your own way to just say, hey, man, I really appreciate everything you're doing. You know, he was jealous. That's pride. Right. What? Right. I had a point I was going to make. I forgot. I forgot it just that fast. It's about McNabb. Fumbola? Yeah, fumble yeah, yeah, I lost, I lost yards on the play. Hey man, that's all good. If it if it comes back to you, just you know, jump right in. Uh, the one thing I did want to highlight or just figure out how y'all felt about it because it's kind of around this time frame. How did y'all feel about Vince Young as a player from college and everything that he did to his journey and career in the NFL and how he was treated? I'll let Sid go first on that one. Uh, I mean, shoot, his um college career was. I mean, was was the uh, it was the national championship, right? Texas, the Rose right. Bowl, the Rose Bowl. Yeah, it was Texas, Texas, one of the USC. best. Yeah, one of the best college football games I ever seen, man. Right, and it was like, and I'm well, a Hurricanes fan, but that was a dope NCAA championship. Right, and the um, USC dropped the ball on that one. I just want to say that USC should have won that one. But um, why they had yeah. everybody? They had Reggie Bush, Lindell yeah. White. That's on them. That's how that's how cold Vince Young was. <laughs> right, because <laughs> nah, you, your man just looked at me like gave me that look. I'm like, Reggie did. He know the truth. He know the truth. They can't run from the truth. But um, <laughs> but yeah, the um, yeah, Vince Young, Vince Young ball, but pretty much Vince Young did ball out. He balled out. Got Texas right. that win, everything like yeah. that. Got drafted by the Titans, and um, a lot of people felt like he said he had like he wasn't like like different from McNabb. He didn't have that tough skin because he did, he got booed when the Titans. I think it was, I don't know what game it was, whatever like that. But he was playing for the Titans. And he was he was when he came in. He, he had all the hype. Vince Young coming in. We seen what he did with Texas. Uh, quarterback for the um. Titans, the Titans just had like McNair. So, you know, Jeff Fisher kind of had like that familiarity with like working with a black quarterback, whatever like that, which shouldn't be a big problem. But you know mm-hmm. how it is with, you know, in sports. Well, oh, you know. So, um, uh, I want to pick up on your Jeff Fisher in, uh, in a minute. You bring it up right now or just. I, I want you to continue your thought. Okay. Um, yeah, this, then, then he just kind of like whatever happened in Tennessee, which I say you're going to. Bring up whatever with Jeff, Jeff Fisher and stuff. Whatever happened, what happened to that? You see, Vince Young just kind of like just career just went down here. I think the last starting job. I know he. I know he not starting job. I know he played for. Didn't he play for the Bills at one point? He played for the Bills. He played. I think played he played for the Eagles. Eagles. Yeah, because I remember oh, the Eagles won. Superstar he, team. Yeah, I dream the, team. The, I remember the, the Eagles won, and I think he played for Green Bay. I'm not 100% sure, but I know Buffalo. Yeah, he did. He did. I don't know if he played, played, but I know he did. But you know what? Yeah, he, he was, he yeah, was yeah, on the, he was on the roster. Sure. He was on the for roster. Sure. He was on the roster. But after like after like the fall off and everything like that, Vision was wild. I don't know what what he doing now, whatever like that. I don't, see, I don't see him on like Sports Center or whatever like that. But man, I hope I hope he's well. But Vision was coming in supposed to be that dude. And you know who yeah. stopped him from being that dude? Jeffrey Jeff. Mediocre Fisher. <laughs> because Jeff can we call Fisher, hmm? I said, can we call him the most trash coach of all time? Mr. 8 and 8. <laughs> Mr. 8 and 8, 7 and 9. Nah, he ain't the most trash, but go ahead. My fault. But coming in, 
there was rumblings that he didn't want Vince Young to begin with. He wanted a different QB, but ownership wanted Vince Young. Right. So off the muscle, he had animosity towards his starting QB, even though they had no better option outside right. of Vince Young. Right. So the game plan wouldn't suit Vince Young to succeed. Exactly. And that's why the Titans ended up the way they did. And Preach. why Vince ended up getting the brunt of that. He was the face of the franchise, so he faced most of that scrutiny when it was really Jeff Fisher who was the culprit. Mm-hmm. So that's why Vince Young didn't succeed. Now, as far as him <clears throat> getting another shot, as we always say, these owners and coaches, they, they talk. So I'm right. pretty sure somebody said something to keep him from getting another starting gig somewhere outside of that Philly situation. Yeah, but Jeff Fisher was also part of the competition committee. And so there's a lot of, it, it, there's a lot of fraternities within the fraternity of the NFL, right? So like, not only is he part of the coaching front fraternity, but he's also on the competition committee, which means he's speaking to different executives and everybody that's on that committee. And so his word, you know, is 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 very powerful in that regard. Man, they should have um, been. They should have been looking at him like Mister Eight and Eight. Listen to you. <laughs> well, that's the that's the funny thing. So so to me, I just want to backtrack a little bit before I even get to the Jeff Fisher part, which I ain't really gonna go go into because you know you you did a, a very good job explaining that part. I'm looking at it from this perspective. So you're watching college football at the time, and Reggie Bush is about to be the next Gale Sayers. Matt Leinart is the hottest thing on the block for the QBs. USC and Pete Carroll, they're everything. There's no reason that Texas should be able to beat this team, right? That was that was Vince Young goes. Yep. yep. Vince Young goes out there. I don't want to call him a one-man show, but for all intents and purposes, he put the team on his back, willed them to a win, and won a national championship. In that draft, he was the third pick in the draft, right? I believe Matt Leinart waited another year to come out and the talk was still about Matt Liner, you know? So him coming into that situation and not giving an opportunity with Sean pointed to was the biggest part about it. It's the same thing we were talking about with Michael V. When you don't build around that particular player and you don't build something conducive to their strengths, you're setting them up for failure. Um, he had other, other issues that were going on. Um, they said he had issues, you know, with his mom a little bit, you know, and, um, mental issues. And of course, Jeff Fisher put it out there that he was real worried about Vince and he thought Vince was going to commit suicide. And that put a real hamper on, you know, his mental capacity. And if people, you know, wanted to put faith in him to lead the team, was he stable enough to do it? And I feel like all of that was just a real big detriment to him and his success, as opposed to other QBs and other ones, other players like that. They just give chance after chance after chance, even if they're bum as hell. Yeah. So that's my main, that's my main reason for bringing up Vince Young is just, he's another case study in how it's so current of how they treated black quarterbacks at the time. Yeah. You want to move on to the next <clears throat> QBs who received that same treatment? Um, definitely. Who else um, is in that Vic era? Who was that? It as far as QBs? Yeah, I mean uh, we had plenty of people in that in that era. If you Kiki wanted to go, Smith from... is one of them. Mm-hmm. Aaron Brooks is one of them. Yep. I don't remember too much about like a lot of them other dudes. Like some of the other dudes you highlight is just like kind of like the main mm-hmm. characters yeah. of the story. Well, yeah, Kiki like Smith Troy took Smith. over after Boomer Science for the Bengals, but he wasn't put in a winning situation either. So mm-hmm. there's that. Yeah, Cordell Stewart was one of them dudes. He was like a big, he was a yeah. guy that got a lot of he, he got he got some chances. He got a few chances. 
and and the thing about Cordell, I ain't gonna stay on him too long, but Cordell, Antoine Randall L, a lot of these people were kind of made as these gadget players that they were quarterbacks in college, but they wanted to switch them to wide receiver. And then all of a sudden they're gonna play, make some plays, they're gonna make some throws downfield. They're good enough for gadget plays, but they're not good enough to be, you know, starting QBs in the in the eyes of them. Speaking of the wide receiver thing, a lot of these quarterbacks, black quarterbacks, were asked to be wide receivers to stay in the league. So there's a problem mm-hmm. there. And he still do. He mm-hmm. still ask them to this to this day. Yeah. Even even a non-black QB and Tim Tebow. <laughs> yeah, they moved him to <laughs> they, tight end. They went, they, it's just when they didn't have faith, man, they just switched them over. Um, another notable name around that era would be Byron Leftwich, too. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about Byron. Yeah, man, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of brothers that 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 deserve some love, man. But um, David Garrard deserves you know, some can, love. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. David Garrard was a a staple in Jacksonville, man. And again, he was one of those on that starter list, that playoff starter list. So, you know, um, just to kind of get into the more current QBs, if you want to go ahead and lead into that one, you can. Hmm. I want to, I want side to speak on on Tyrod before we get to the current current. Let's do it. Oh, my man T Mobile, man. I got so much love for Tyrod Taylor, man. If y'all don't 757 know 757 VA 2 up 2 down. Yes sorry. sir. Yeah, so, so from the VA, <laughs> from the VA. Yes sir. <laughs> yeah, he was from the VA, you know what I mean? Cool dude. Um talked to him when I was at the airport one time, you know what I mean? Real cool dude. Um was drafted by Baltimore as y'all know. I think he got a Super Bowl ring. He did. Got a Super Bowl ring or something like that. So, you know, he came when it, when it was kind of time for free agency and stuff like that. The Bills came and knocking. The Buffalo Bills came and knocking, got him up here and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of people wanted him. Who was y'all QB as a starter? Man, I don't even know, bro. We had like, <laughs> who we, we had him. It was like a competition. I think it was him. I think EJ was here. EJ oh. Manuel, that's another black quarterback we had. Like, I, I had a joke about it, but I ain't even gonna say it because I think it's inappropriate for the podcast <laughs> about the Bills and Black Court. I got a joke. I feel like it's inappropriate, so I'm not gonna say it. You can say it off air. I can say it off air. I feel like it's so inappropriate, but because yeah, <laughs> but um, I think it was like Tyrod. I believe it was EJ. Tyrod, EJ, and like some like David. Oh no, Kevin Cobb. Oh, y'all did? Oh, Kevin Cobb. Because he came from yes, Philly. Yes, he came Cobb. from Philly. And he, and he, and he uh, <laughs> fell on a mat, like on a wet mat, and like got a concussion. He just never he just never played after that. But um, Tyrod oh, was man. our dude, man. And like I said, Tyrod played up here for three years. Um... He played. He played here for three. He played for three years. Right now, he's thirty. So you figure by the time he was up here playing with us, he was in his like early twenties, mm-hmm. in his early twenties. So if we just still kept him here, even if we'd have drafted Josh Allen, it was like, yo, you just go. You see, you go let Josh sit. You go stay. We we would have been good. That's a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother thing. Argument with me and my Buffalo Bills of how we treated Tyrod Taylor. But his last season here, we got us to the playoffs and stuff. Which some of y'all unappreciative of. But. Some of us unappreciative fans. Like a lot of us black fans, a lot of us black Buffalo Bills fans wanted Tyrod to start. When it right. was time for him to start, it was like when it's time to pick who it was because it was like Kevin Cobb, was, he got hurt. He wasn't the one. A lot of us kind of like clocked out on EJ. 
But EJ wasn't given the opportunity either. And that's true too. Prone. EJ wasn't given EJ wasn't given EJ, EJ was thrown into the fire. EJ yeah. was thrown into the EJ was most definitely thrown into the fire. But not that I care because he's from Florida State, but <laughs> no, no, I don't care about that at all. Right. But and at that time, I'm gonna be honest, like as a as a football <laughs> fan, if you got black quarterbacks, whatever like that, sometimes you kind of like throw the whole he wasn't giving a chance stuff out the window sometimes because you just want to win. Mm-hmm. At the end right. of the day, all you care about is like winning at that point. So you don't care who gets the job as long as you winning. So with EJ it was kind of like I said, he was from Florida State. I kept you you stayed telling me that yeah, Florida, that State, Florida State was trash. Florida State doesn't give quarter; they don't produce quarterbacks. So right. I was, you know what I mean. So I kept like I was like, all right, whatever. But I was like, everybody was like Tyrod, Tyrod, Tyrod. So we was like, all right, cool. <laughs> let's, let's go with Tyrod. So we got Tyrod. Tyrod was doing good, but you know, obviously the Bills weren't. I think the Bills had. The management it was giving him the opportunities and things that I things of that nature like they're doing now back then. Playoffs probably would have been earlier, you know. Um, like the success would have been, you know, the success would the success would have been. It would have been sooner. It would have been sooner because we had a quarterback that was that was like obviously he was throwing for thirty three thousand yards. Um, started every game, was healthy, was a leader or whatever like that, could throw the deep ball, had a pretty, you know what I mean? Was mobile at that time, what you needed at that, what you needed in the NFL, you needed a mobile quarterback and mm-hmm. things of that nature. But when we got, when we drafted Nate Peterman, bum ass, and I was, <laughs> we drafted <laughs> Nate Peterman, bum ass. It was the one game, it was against the Chargers. Now, I know there's like a, like the story behind, I'm not really quite sure the, the, the full story behind it, but I know I think Tyrod, Got into it with somebody. I think it's something about the uh, about the offensive line not protecting him or whatever like that. And Tyrod right got into it with somebody, mm-hmm. and he benched him. And he benched him. I think was it Sean? Nah, was it Sean McDermott? Was no, Sean McDermott the coach? I think that was Rex Ryan. No, 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 no we got rid of Rex. I think it was mm-hmm. Sean McDermott. I think yeah. it was Sean McDermott. So, and he didn't want Tyrod. That's the thing too. We know when you get a new coaching staff and new ownership they and this and the third, they want who they want. Yeah. So it's like, all right, cool, whatever. But I'm like, yo, we winning. Like he's doing pretty good. He's not like, he's not like an elite quarterback, or whatever, like that. But it's like, how many elite quarterbacks is there, really? For real, for real. Right. You know right. what I mean? So like, at some point, you just need you just need a guy <laughs> that's good enough to get the job done. That's all that matters. That's mm-hmm. all that matters. In his last year here, he had like a trash team. Like offensively, was trash. Yeah. yeah, well, and I think part of that goes to to the to the fact that like, okay, a lot of white QBs are given the opportunity to develop. They can be as trash as they want to be. They can lose. They can win. It doesn't really matter what their record is. Their record could be Ben Roethlisberger, for example, went fifteen to one. Everybody knows that, but that was on the back of Jerome Bettis and that defense, right? He's given the opportunity to succeed, you know. And that's the hardest part about the, the Tyrod Taylor situation is. He's just never truly given the opportunity where he doesn't have to look over his shoulder. Right. That's what I'm saying. I felt bad for him. Like, so, okay, yeah, so the San Diego game, I'm always going to call them San Diego. So everybody knows the San Diego Chargers, I'm always going to call them San Diego. So the, so the Chargers game, this was one of those pivotal games, too. This is one of them games was like, okay, we win this one. We looking good. Our, our playoff position is looking really good. We looking solid. You know what I mean? I think the, the Chargers defense was really good. But we was coming off, we was coming off a couple of wins and stuff like that. So we was feeling good. We like, all right, we could beat the. We just feel like we could beat the Chargers. But what did the, the Tyrod that the week before Tyrod got into it, whatever with with the coach or whatever like that? They like said he already didn't believe in him, so they benched him or whatever. In a, in a key game, this is a key game, and he started Nate Peterman. 
This bum. These starting name Peter, man. This man is throwing pick after pick after pick. Trash. Wait, isn't that the game where they threw Tyrod in? He threw six picks. Uh, yeah, that. But didn't they throw Tyrod in to save the game? They threw Tyrod in at the last minute and Tyrod started ball. Like, he got us. Like, with the, like we was actually doing better when Tyrod got in. Mm. <laughs> And you had the nerve, the audacity, the mitigated goal to have him in that game. Nate Peterman in that game. Then you go put Tyrod in. But the Bills tripping. That's all I know, man. The Bills. Matter of fact, the Buffalo football American team. I'm going to call them like that. It's hey, tripping out here finished. in these streets, man. I'm telling you, I'm passionate. <laughs> Y'all that, that, that don't know me, I'm a Bills fan. Like, I love my team, man. Like, win or lose, two-time, two-time AFL champion. <laughs> oh, AFL. my God. Two-time, back-to-back. Never lost. Never lost. Never lost. Never lost, man. Bruh, man, I'm telling you, man. Like, then it's like Tyrod wasn't given the, he wasn't given the, the chance that I say that especially like the team wasn't built around him for them to have the opportunity for them to have a long successful career in Buffalo. And then he switched over and went to Cleveland and the same thing happened to him in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield because they kind of like set him, they set him up for failure. Now, you know what it was? Tyron got injured and that was their excuse to throw Baker in there. The butt. Yeah. But he, but if that's the case, you knew that. Now, wait a minute. Nah, Cause the first game, the first Tyrod was starting at first. He was starting. He was starting two games, and then he got then he got injured, and then they threw Baker in there. Baker but he also, cooking. but he also had the intentions for Baker to start. Yeah. At, they wanted Baker yeah. to start at some point, but I felt like they threw Tyrod in there under the bus. Like, yo, let's just throw him in there. We gonna struggle, like, because he was. Well, you know, when, when he started, when Baker started, Cleveland picked up. But I think when Tyrod was playing, like the offense wasn't really like, clicking. Full like dis full disclosure. Um, when we started this podcast, I was definitely, uh, you know, supporting Baker Mayfield. Not that I wasn't supporting Tyrod Taylor, but I was supporting yeah, Baker he, he Mayfield. Was on it. And so if you remember the hype around it, what it was is Hugh Jackson didn't want to start Baker Mayfield. He wanted to start Tyrod Taylor. But the pressure was coming from the GM and ownership to start Baker. So at any given moment, at any point in time that Tyrod even looked like he wasn't having a decent game, Baker was going to come in there and Baker just came in slinging that rock and the rest was history. So he didn't get a fair shot. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, that was. But he was never he was never going to get it. But it wasn't because of Hugh Jackson. It was because of upper management and where Baker Mayfield was drafted. Because remember, he was drafted number one overall. Yeah, he was drafted number one. He was drafted number one. But at <laughs> the same that's time, what the problem was. But at the same time, it's like if you Cleveland, like if you were Cleveland, you don't have a history. Of, you don't have the history of winning like that. And you got this kid, you know, I think it's just like you had, you could, you could have been like, all right, we drafted him one, we're going to let him sit and let Tyrod do what he do. But like I said, he got set up to fail. So it was kind of like, what's the point yeah. of even picking him up? Like, what, he could have just been a backup. And even now, his situation in, uh, in the, with the in, Chargers, with the Chargers. to be a backup again. But you know what that is, man? That's Tyrod getting his money, man. He signs with these teams very early in the process. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, even when he signed with Cleveland, it was before the draft. He had no clue they were going to draft uh, Baker Mayfield number one. <clears throat> you know what I mean? So it's, it's those situations that kind of set him up for failure. Right. I mean, know? yeah, get your money, black man, black man, my brothers. Get your money. But it's like even even with that, they were going to they were talking about bringing Cam Newton over there at a point in time. You know what I mean? So he was still going to have somebody pressuring him. 
Would we have felt better had it been Cam instead of Baker? Taking his spot? I mean, of course we would have Cleveland? Yeah. You mean uh, no, 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 the Chargers, no, no, the Chargers, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, in, just in, in a from a correlative standpoint, like, yeah, if it, it feels weird with it being Baker because he doesn't have a good shot, and then Baker ended up being Baker, and then with Cam, Cam is a proven veteran, so it's always going to be understandable when a proven veteran takes your spot, you know. Okay, yeah, I just, Cam. I just wanted to say because you know some people might be like, well, Cam got them question marks on him now too, though. That's I true. mean, they shouldn't be. That's injury, man. Anytime you got somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick, Matthew Stafford, anybody like that, man, that's just playing in this league time after time after time. Matthew Stafford, if he was a black QB, he would have been out of Detroit. And I and I like Stafford. Me too. Me I too. think he's all right. But he it's no way in the world that would have been a black QB not winning, not making the playoffs. They wouldn't have, you know who you know who the uh, black Matt Stafford is, man? Enlighten me. Jameis Winston. Mmm. Sort of, but James lost his okay. job. James did me, lose his job. Let me, Break it let down. Me for give me. You this, let me give you this fun fact. Side don't answer. <laughs> In the history of the NFL, one hundred and one years that we that we had this glorious game, there have been only two black quarterbacks to throw for over five thousand yards. Who's the other Who one besides James? I couldn't tell you. Do you know? You know? Do I? It's too obvious. It's too obvious for you. That's why you know. You know. Face of the league. Oh, duh. There you go. Duh. Okay. So it's Pat Mahomes and it's Jameis Winston. So for 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 us to we can we can kind of dump on Jameis a little bit, right? Because that's just the perception that they give us. But he is Matt Stafford. Yeah, that's it. That's him. Matt Stafford throws for a ton of yards. He never beats the Dagon Packers, and he never beats the Bears for real. I mean, hey, you, you might win a game, yeah, and the Vikings. He just that's it, man. He's just there. It's, yeah, you just there throwing for mad yards with no pressure, no, with no and with no pressure to bring somebody in. It's the Detroit exactly. Lions. There's no pressure for the Detroit Lions. There's no pressure for the Detroit Lions to be relative. We we are relative in the NFL, but the Detroit yeah. Lions are one of the staples of the league. Or at least at one point they should have been. They're well, one they of the oldest teams in the league. Because they play on Thanksgiving every year. So they, they got to be considered that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, that's their spot. So, well. But James being the black Matt Stafford, I could see it. Only thing is, he lost the spot to an old white guy. Well, I mean, they consider him to be the GOAT. So it's no big deal. Well, I'm not going to get into that conversation. That old, old white guy got a mean resume, though. He <laughs> they consider him to be the goat. So I mean, I mean, what you gonna do? Anybody could lose their job to that dude. To be honest, true, true. But yeah. when are we gonna get the opportunity to become a goat at that position? I got, well, I got one guy. That, we'll get, we'll get there. Who we'll I think there. is the goat of us? We'll get there. It's coming. It's it, it, this guy is on the rise. Yeah. This guy is on the rise. <laughs> but um. <laughs> So what's the next era that you wanted to get into, Sean? We can get into the Cam era. Oh, man. This might be one of the best eras of black QBs when we look back at it. Yeah. Yeah. This is where it's really popular. I mean, they paved the way, though. These are the guys that kind of let it happen when you think Mm -hmm. about it. Now, how do we feel about RG3? Because it's in that era, too. I mean, you got to listen, man. You got to call it for what it was. It's not like RG3 was a bust in the NFL, right? Like when he hit the scene, 
playing for the Washington football team, he got him to the playoffs and was looking nasty. Yeah, because it, it was it was talk between <clears throat> what year did he come out? Twelve. Uh, might have been a little bit after that because he came out with Russell Wilson, right? That, that they was came 12, out the same 13. Year. One of them years. No, that was 12. It had to be 12. Hold Let's on. See, man. I should have wrote, wrote this down. It's all good. Yeah, it was 12. Okay, I, I was about to say, I, I knew it was one of those years. It was, it was 12. 12. Mm-hmm. Who else was the quarterback for that, that year? Who, who he got drafted with? Kirk Cousins. Uh, it's Kurt, yeah. Now, who else was in that draft? Oh, you year? talking about in that draft with RG3? Oh, that was the Andrew oh, Luck joint. Uh, Andrew Luck, yeah. yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. The quote unquote. Yeah, I thought you meant who was on his team. For, nah, nah, just, nah, for nah. So, just for the sole purposes of clarification, I thought he meant who was on the Washington football team. But if I know Kirk Cousins won't draft yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I apologize. Yeah, <laughs> I should have been more clear. I should have been more clear. No, no, no. It's not, your, it's not your fault. But yeah, it was Andrew Luck and RG3. That was the battle. Because both of the teams kind of like, you know, Traded away, traded up to get uh get well, no, nah, not the Colts, but Washington traded with um St. Louis mm-hmm. to get him at the second pick. Yeah, I, another another example of not getting a fair shake, even after being injured. Hmm. I mean, you know, the whole thing. I, I look at it this way, man. <laughs> when you look at the Cam Newton era and everything Cam Newton stood for. He was one of those guys that stepped on the scene. And I remember he played the Arizona Cardinals week one. And it was like back-to-back weeks where he threw for over 400 yards. And you could see the promise in that man. Yeah, that was a rookie Uh, record at the time. Yeah. And I feel like the biggest thing with Cam um, is there's a coaching uh, responsibility. And then there's a general manager responsibility. And I feel like the coach and Ron Rivera definitely had faith in Cam. And he definitely believed in Cam. But I feel like the GM never went out and got adequate weapons for Cam yeah, to truly yeah. succeed. No, I believe that. I believe that to the fullest, man. I think the Carolina really dropped the ball on that one with um not getting Super. the proper weapons. Not getting enough weapons for Cam. Like, dude, like yeah. run like receivers. Who was like his best receiver was what, Every, Greg Olson? His best receiver right, was Steve Smith. They got rid of him. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, and then it was Steve Greg Olson, short. Yeah. who was already old at the time. No disrespect, but, that's my guy. But well, no, no. When they first got him, he wasn't that old because oh, he true. was he was cooking with the Bears. But I think the biggest thing about it was the Steve Smith situation. Was Steve Smith was running the locker room and not giving Cam an opportunity to lead. Now you can make of that what you want. You know what I'm saying? And I know personally, you don't really care because that's your rival. Right. But just looking at it from the outside. I don't like it because I like Steve Smith's mentality and I feel like, you know, everybody just needs to go as hard as him, but I do understand it. My problem is after that, what are you doing? You draft a wide receiver until you get it right. You know what I'm saying? In that situation, when you had that kind of quarterback, you got to draft a wide receiver until you get it right, man. You drafted Kelvin Benjamin. Benjamin, Devin Funches, Tubby, Tubby. The- Tubby. <laughs> yeah, we know, we know what happened when he came up here to the. To the I told you what was going to happen when he came up here. Not a thing. Yeah, Trent Ash. So, in that era, of course, we had RG three, we got Russell Wilson, and we got Colin Kaepernick. All different, all different. I don't want to call them goats, but they're all stars in their own right. Well, I mean, when you think when you think about it outside of RG three, and I mean, you know, that is what it is for him. He's just a different case altogether. All three of them made it to a Super Bowl. 
Mm. Russell Wilson won it, but all three of them made it to a Super Bowl. And that's because in Cam Newton's defense, in spite of the general manager giving him the weapons he needed, he made it. Russell Wilson had an extremely rare situation in which the defense was already being built and he just made, you know, lemonade out of lemons for lack of a better term. Like I got Doug Baldwin, I got these guys and we just going to do what we do. You know? And when you think about it, when you think about him, he made it to two Super Bowls, one, one lost one. And they could have won both. Right. They could have won both. Right. Because they didn't stick to the script because they were trying to make him something else. So it was definitely a situation where Pete Carroll had faith in him. And then uh, Colin Kaepernick is the same thing. Right. But I most definitely feel like with Russell, like I feel like he gets lost in the conversation of black quarterbacks because a lot of people don't look at him. Because of his image? Yeah, pretty much. These are like, he's not, he's not, even with us, like I feel like some people be like, oh, he's not black enough. Or he's not, <laughs> whatever. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, he doesn't he have does that have image. The, the corny image, supposedly. Yeah, but yeah. why is that image corny? That's another problem for another day. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll touch on it a little bit, not to get too political or too racial, because at the end of the day, I don't really have a problem with it. But when he came into this situation, man, he had a Caucasian girlfriend and he was moving a different way. And he so said the same thing about RG3. That was That's exactly. His wife, though. Ain't that his wife? RG3 wife? Uh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, he got, I think he got, yeah, he got married to her. And so at the end of the day, that played a particular role as to how he was perceived because I'm not going to lie to you. And this isn't me judging the vibe that he gave off. Isn't the same vibe that he gives off now that we, now that he's with Sierra. When he met Sierra, he added, he, he didn't change his personality as much as just gave off more of his got, self, more little, of his flavor. flavor. Right. Yeah. You got know, you see him dancing, doing karaoke, booed up pics with his girl. Like we ain't see his girl like that before. And maybe that's because he was building his career, but there's a different, there's a different energy around him. And I believe that that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But then we also do have a colorism issue within our own community that, you know, always needs to be addressed too, man, is, is to, you know, light skin, dark skin. And it goes both ways, right? You yeah, know what I'm saying? The, like, yeah, everybody has suave hair. Yeah, see, but that, that goes into it, see? Yeah. <laughs> some people would be like, <clears throat> some people be like, well, damn, man, that's form of colorism. You saying I'm light skin, I got, I got this kind of hair. People be like, you say I'm brown skin, I'm this way, so. Yeah. That's something that we always got to work on in our community as well. That's true. Because we all black, man, at the end of the day. I just wish Cam would get the, res- <laughs> excuse me, get the respect he deserves now. I think Cam Newton is an interesting, is an interesting case, man. I, I feel like he's a different individual himself, right? Like, so let's say for instance, and this isn't to get too personal about Cam, but the way Cam dresses is definitely at the forefront, right? It's, it's different. Okay, it's different. And you know, he grew up with a with a, a black father, and he got into a college scandal um, at Florida with some computers, and then they said he took about one hundred eighty thousand dollars to go to Auburn, and at the end of the day, he won him a national championship, came up out of there, and I ain't got no beef with him getting paid under the table from uh, you know in the NCAA. I don't care about that. But at the same time, he's a very image conscious dude, right? Because I just found out like a couple of weeks ago, Cam Newton got seven kids. Yeah, I did not know that. What? What? <laughs> yeah, he's got seven, seven kids. Seven. <laughs> I got seven kids, One man. for every day of the week. So, so at the end of the day, what you know about Cam is what Cam puts out there for you. 
You know what I'm saying? And so that has a lot to do with how he's going to be perceived as a player as well, because he didn't do himself any favors pouting at the end of the Super Bowl, telling see, me he don't like losing. I, I have a problem with that because I've seen other QBs that lost Super Bowls that weren't Cam pout. That's true. And that they didn't true. get that same treatment. Bruh, you can't do it. You just can't do it. I know it. you can, but it's like you know it's, what I'm it's hypocrisy. You can't do it though. At the end of the day, because you because you mean you mean so much more, right? You're more of a you're more of an influencer. You're more of an icon. You're more of a historical figure than some of these other QBs, right? That's true. Like when you really think about it, you know what yeah, I'm saying? They stand for more, especially in our community. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like if, and then this ain't picking on Matt Ryan, cause I don't know if he did or he didn't, but if Matt Ryan were to pout after losing the Super Bowl, it's not the same, right? It's not. And in a way people could kind of justify it because of the manner in which he lost. A lot of people feel like straight up and down, Cam Newton was just taken out by Von Miller. You know, so that's a that's a different conversation and in 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 it all depends on how you view the game. But, you know, he's got to do better with his image and I hope he can rebuild it with the Patriots because I don't like the way he's being perceived right now because all he did was get hurt. He's being right. disrespected. Meanwhile, there's For other sure. QBs out here that get all the praise due, like a Kirk Cousins coming back from injury. He don't get, I don't think Kirk Cousins get praise like that. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's getting a starting like gig. Wait, no yeah, but he's he been a starter for a minute, though. He doesn't get what, what I, I feel where Sean's coming from. It's it's not necessarily vocalized, right? But it's reflected in his contracts. He just got an extension for 40 million, 20 million a year, right? Meanwhile, Cam Newton is paying playing for less than a million base. You know what I mean? And Kirk Cousins hasn't even sniffed right. the realm of greatness that Cam Newton is has is, is achieved. Oh, so. yeah, exactly. Like Cam was like, was Lisa, how many former MVP MVPs that led the team to the Super Bowl like dealt with situations like Cam? Zero. Well, you got right. And then not only that, when we talk about injury, I got a perfect case study. Sam Bradford drafted high, got hurt damn near every year, never made it to the playoffs, <laughs> and was given opportunity after opportunity, contract after contract. You throw Nick Foles in there too, because he had an injury history as well. He did, but you know the beautiful thing about Nick Foles that 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 I ain't even gonna front on. Mm-hmm. That man sat up there, took a backup position, and went out there and won a Super Bowl. And at the end of the day, once you win that, that. once you win that, I ain't ain't really got too much to say to you from a player standpoint. You know, it's the same treatment I'm going to give Doug Williams. Right. Like you went out there and did it. You deserve you deserve your credit or you deserve not being called, you know, a hurt person all the time or whatever it is. Now, if you Ryan Fitzpatrick or somebody, that's a different story. (sighs) Sometimes I just shake my head at some of these QBs out here get chance after chance after chance. Yo, even even Peyton, when Peyton came back from like that neck surgery, it was like, dude, like he came back, like he should have been, he should have been like in that Super Bowl against the uh yeah. against the Carolina Panthers and stuff like that. Yeah, his he was just done. He was No, no, no. That that was that that wasn't the first one. I think they played Seattle. No, he played Seattle the first one. But I'm they talking about smoked. that. But that one, that smoked. one against the Panthers. By the time he got to the Super Bowl, Peyton was done. Oh yeah, but see, that had a lot to do with age too. You know what I'm but saying? But that neck injury too. But it is like how many? But he talked about injuries that can be injured. How come? You know, his phone should have been ringing off the hook. If but you he saw could he, be in 
But Cam could be in that same situation now in New England, you know? If he if he unfortunately, because I don't want to see them win no Super Bowl. Me neither. But if he unfortunately gets to the Super Bowl and wins one, that's kind of like a mirror image of, of of Peyton Manning in that regard. Like my original team that drafted me thinks of me as damaged goods and you know, somebody else got me and now I show that I can win. Which is crazy to the fact that Carolina even looks at him that way because they put him in that position to be damaged with the way they're running their offense. New ownership. New ownership. Once the owner, once Jerry Richardson yeah. was out of there, then everything changed. You know what I'm saying? So And they got know. Teddy Bridgewater who was coming from an injury. Yeah. yeah. And um that's and he came from an injury injury. So um I say I'll let to say, man, listen, I'm gonna touch on Cap just a little bit. You know, Colin Kaepernick, we all know what he stands for in the movement, um, and Black Lives Matter and just like, educating everybody in the know your rights camp. But just on the football field as a player, um, when given the opportunity and given uh the ability to have a playbook written for you. We saw the heights that he reached. We saw that he broke, you know, the Russian uh, record in the in the playoffs, 181 yards against Green Bay. We saw him get to the Super Bowl, almost lead us to a title. Unfortunately, we lost to the Ravens. No, it's not but, unfortunate. Uh, Y'all deserve that. Man, you crazy. Uh, <laughs> no, I say that though. But that's what, for for Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. No, we ain't turn no, the no, I ain't talking about that. Oh, for, about before Alex I even Smith? got to that game. Y'all play Alex to get there. Remember. Oh man, that, oh, yeah, I'm man. still, I'm still holding yeah. on to that. Yeah, man, that was a, a fake pass interference, but we had the best linebackers in the game, man. Lies. Tell Tony Gonzalez Lies. get his weight up. Lies. That wasn't even, that wasn't even Gonzalez. That was Roddy White. Tell Roddy White get his weight up. Man, I, mm, okay, all right, all right. I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. <laughs> no, nah, you don't started it. You right, I did. The later, the later <laughs> football team. The later, <laughs> man, let it go, man. Uh, man. I don't even want to talk about it. Let man. it go, Sean. Let it go, man. I can't, man. Let it go, bro. It's gonna be all right, man. It's a constant reminder every time I hear Cap name. Yeah, but I mean, but Cap didn't do that to no, you. No, no, Cap you didn't do realize do it. No, that. No, no, yeah, that was. I think that was Bowman who grabbed him up, right? That yeah, one, Willis. Yeah. That was Bowman. Yeah, it was yeah, Navarro. That was Navarro. Bowman. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, man. The part of the truth. But anyway, I say that to say, um, I think his downfall in that situation wasn't wasn't anything of his own doing. You know what I mean? What ended up happening is our, our GM at the time, Trent Balky, was arguing with Jim Harbaugh, talking about trading him to the Browns and all this stuff, eventually firing him in the eight and eight season. And our GM had the bright idea of going to get Chip Kelly from the Philadelphia Eagles. And that is what took us into the trash. Uh, subsequently, uh, I, I assume that Chip Kelly didn't really have an affinity for Colin Kaepernick, let alone a belief. And he decided to start Blaine Gabbard. Boom! <laughs> over Colin Kaepernick. I can't a say career bum. Blaine Gabbard beat us that year. A career bum. Straight trash. International house of garbage. That's where he belongs. One of the worst QBs to ever live. Still Just got a job. Booty. Still booty. got a job, man. So at the end of the day, I say all that to say, you know, that that's an example of how, you know, we don't when we don't get the opportunities versus when we get the opportunities within the same player, you can see the highs and you can see the lows. You know what I mean? And um, that that put us in a position to to all these young quarterbacks that we're about to get into right now. These are the people they were watching. They were watching the Cam Newtons, the RG3s, the Russell Wilsons, the Colin Kaepernicks. They were watching those players. And now the ushering in of the black QB is at an all-time high. It's at a crescendo, as they like to say. 
man, it's so it's so crazy right now. You, it's almost like not to be arrogant, but it's almost like you can't really have that true success without having one. Yes, you better get one now. Moving into the next five year plan is it, it, looking that way for a lot of teams. And that's not to say that, you know, their white counterparts can't do anything. But if you think about the great white QBs right now, those names are starting to decline. That's your Tom Brady, your Aaron Rodgers, your Drew Brees, uh, your Matt Ryan's not saying he's trash, but you know what I mean? He's no, starting the, the, to. The quote unquote traditional QB is fading out. Philip yeah. Rivers. Philip Rivers. No, 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 no. We don't we don't speak Philip Rivers in a, in good in a good light. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a whole breakdown on that, and I forget what episode that is. But hey, man, just the most overrated QB of all time, man. Him and Brett Favre, highly overrated. So, um, you know, with that said, man, I we I think we, I think it's time we get into this current crop of QBs, man. So, who you want to start with first? Well, it's interesting, right? Because to be fair. We probably should start off with uh, Wayne Dakota Prescott and Deshaun Watson before we hit that elevated level of those those next tier of QBs. Now, what I gotta give Prescott some love because coming in, he faced a lot of adversity with the whole Romo situation, right? Because Jerry Jones is not trying to see him on that field. It wasn't nah, until Romo got injured that he was kind of forced to throw him on there, and once. That guy on the field and started, you know, winning games. He even still didn't want to give him the starting position, which yeah. is crazy to me. If you're so much about winning, and you see this guy can give you the best chance to win, why not leave him out there? I think that's that. By that time, you know, Romo was considered family, and if you think right. about it, that got his opportunity because Romo bowed out gracefully. You know what I mean? But but the truth of the matter is Romo was viewed as, as his family and I don't think Jerry was ever going to turn his back on him. But at the same time, do we really feel like Jerry loves Dak because Dak still hasn't gotten paid? Nope. Dak won't be getting paid. <laughs> Which is a great disservice to him because that even highlights what we speak of as the trials and tribulations that his predecessors went through, right? It's like no matter what you do to earn you know, your position, no matter what you do to earn your check, there's still going to be a hurdle to a certain extent for some QBs that they just don't have for other QBs. He paid Tony Romo. Tony, Tony, Tony Romo, Romo ain't do shit trash. in the playoffs. He ain't do shit in the playoffs. He fumbled an extra point. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, man. I think Dak Prescott definitely deserves some love. He's part of the new crop. I think he'll be here to stay. You think Dak you know, leaving? Uh, yeah, he if should. he's smart, if he's smart, he would. And he I think he's smart because he signed that franchise tag. And I think the most, the craziest part about it, you know, I'm I'm not the pessimist, but realistically looking at it, I don't think we're going to have an NFL season. So he was guaranteeing himself that money. And now that they have that new uh, CBA, the new CBA terms they agreed to with a $1.75 million minimum, I think he'll be in a situation to put himself in another franchise contract and then pull a Kirk Cousins and get up out of there. With an excess of sixty million guaranteed, it's crazy. He made the Cowboys relevant, but yet they so you got to burn them. You got to burn them for sixty-seven million back to back. Bet on yourself, like Darrell Revis. I fully believe in that. This so, situation um, could have been handled, man. That's just crazy to me. But that's just Jerry Jones, and like you said, like Tony Romo was looked at as family. Like if it was Romo, Romo would have got paid. Romo, Romo would have been got paid. Yeah. Romo got paid yeah, when he sure. shouldn't have been paid. He getting paid. Yeah. He getting paid more money now as an analyst. 
Yeah. Then, then if, Dak, anybody, if, if Dak was Romo, he'd have been paid two years ago. They would have sealed that deal up. Exactly. But I mean, at the end of the day, man, it is what it is. It ain't my team. <laughs> no, I was just messing around. But uh, <laughs> so uh, another highly touted person, and I just want to bring this up because, you know, San Francisco was in uh, a great need of a quarterback. And everything that I saw with Deshaun Watson at Clemson told me that we should draft him. And we had the number four pick. And um, it was just one of those situations, man, where, you know, you Deshaun Watson was overlooked. We dropped the ball. A couple of other teams dropped the ball. I believe that's the year we traded with the Bears, right? And the Bears went and got Trubisky. What year was that? 20... Ah, bro. Don't, don't get me started. Oh, I'm looking it up right now. Because Mahomes, that's three years ago. Because Mahomes, Mahomes was the tenth pick, right? This is they in the, the same draft. 2017 draft, right? Who was the big? Who was the big QB to come out that draft? It was supposed to. Be, it was supposed to be Deshaun Watson. But I'm, who, I'm trying to think who. It oh, was who there. went? Who went? Who went one? I do not know. I have to look it up, man. But um, I'll tell you a fun fact, just because we were talking about 2017, you know, 2017 was the first year that all 32 teams started at least one black QB in their history. Mm. Mm. It took to 2017. Also in 2017, 70% of the NFL players were black, but only 25% of them were black starting QBs. Mm. So that just goes to show you at that time, just three, three years ago, you know what I'm saying? It was just one of those situations where they still didn't have the respect that they, you know, that they deserved. Ah, I'm looking at the 2017 list now. Mitchell Trubisky was drafted second. (laughs) That's what I thought, because we traded that pick. Mm -hmm. We traded that pick and then, you know, there it was. But he wasn't, he wasn't the, but that's the thing. He wasn't the touted. QB, right? Right. So it was like it was Mitchell Trubisky. I thought we were gonna take uh uh take Deshaun Watson with the second pick, but we didn't. You know what I mean? And then Patrick Mahomes, he had moved up in the draft early, like 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 when they were talking about it, like they were like, oh, okay, it's a possibility that this kid Mahomes might go, but he didn't have a, the the yeah. fanfare, the love. So he didn't have the cash at the time. Yeah, nah, not at all. And so um yeah, it was just an interesting situation of how we could talk about Mahomes because Mahomes is kind of like an outlier in that regard. But just the fact that Mitchell Trubisky out of the University of North Carolina playing against us, you know what I'm saying? We saw him in that division. He was booty. Buns. <clears throat> and so it's just crazy to think that they reached for him and passed over a proven QB Against the in Deshaun Watson against uh, the NCAA's version of an NFL team in Alabama, right? Played Alabama twice, won one, lost one, kicked their ass st- statistically both times, and so that's that. Those are the hurdles. Just in 2017, those were the hurdles that we were going through, and um, little did we know, society, that the face, the new face of the league, would be um, would be drafted in that same draft, number ten, to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, my homeboy. So we can definitely go ahead and um, get into him, pause, and uh, I want to read a few things from his uh, GQ magazine spread. Okay, it said that I think you mentioned this earlier that 70% of the players are black, but only three are coaches, there are two general managers, and zero majority owners. Mm -hmm. That's a mind blowing stat. 
It really is, man. But, you know, due to Patrick being the face, he also understands his platform. That's why he's doing things like putting stake into the Royals, which we've never mm. seen before, especially from a black QB. Man, well, with yeah. a contract like that, though, I'd do it. Yeah, he, that's a, speaking of his contract, he broke the NFL history bank. 500, yep. how much is it? 500 million? Yeah, like 503? Yeah, roughly. Change. You, know how, you know how the NFL deals are. It's a 450 million plus extension added to the money that he can make with, with incentives. It's a little over 500 million. And um, it's just interesting because you, you, you see the wheels turning in this young man. You know, his father, Patrick Mahomes, was a professional baseball player. And so Patrick Mahomes, the second, He's, he's not afraid to diversify in all of these different sports. And he understands professional sports from a different uh, a different angle than a lot of uh, athletes. Yeah, and inside this uh, article, he said that he wanted to draw attention to voter registration efforts, helping young adults, especially in the black community, register to vote. So he's tuned in all the way in. And I can, I can appreciate yeah. that from such a young guy. Mm-hmm. He could be arrogant, like I want to out with the world. I'm the man. I just want a Super Bowl. I got a record breaking contract. You can't tell me nothing. Right. He could ball out. MVP, Go buy some chains. Former MVP. Rolls <laughs> he could buy his yeah. own blocks. Yep. League MVP and Super Bowl MVP, unfortunately. Yep. Well, we're going to leave that there. <laughs> I mean, you know. I mean, I'm happy for the black. I'm happy for the black man. Yeah, true. True. <laughs> true. Yeah, but uh, then there's there's Lamar Jackson. Yeah, but before we even before we even get into Lamar, mm-hmm. because Lamar is going to be you know pitted against Mahomes in a way for years, I believe it's a good thing. But though. um, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely feel that way. How do y'all feel about him being the face of the league, and how do you feel about the stances that he's taking on uh you know social justice and and all of those things? Alexa, Just from that standpoint. I, I love it, man. Me, myself, personally, I love it. Like I said, I feel like even talking about that, like now nah, he's kind of like a, it's kind of like a LeBron, like what mm-hmm. LeBron, what, what, what LeBron does for the NBA. He's kind of like doing that. And also I said, like, look how he played a quarterback position. He's going to be like, kind of like the the Steph Curry of the NFL, like how he's, how he's slaying the rock. So, man, but just like what he doing off, off and on the field is just like, man, it's good to see. And it's glad that I'm glad that the NFL is, Kind of letting him do it because mm-hmm. like standing some, behind him, yeah, like mm-hmm. he kind of like standing behind him. But he's like he's the face of the friend. Like Tom Brady's about to be out of there. Tom Brady was bland. Like Tom Brady ain't had no personality. Now all of a sudden he in Tampa Bay. All of a sudden he got the, all this personality in the world and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But but now like well you know you got Patrick Mahomes, young dude, you know young dude, Super Bowl champion, MVP, you know, um, likable. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So um, he has everything. Yeah. He has everything going going for him right now. So it's like what he's talking about with the social injustice and everything like that. It's like we needed we needed that. You know, he didn't, you know, kneel or nothing like that for no, you know, kneel during the national anthem or something like that. So Yeah. But I mean he, I can, think, uh, he can have an impact in other ways though. Yeah, he got an impact in another way. Like Cap, I think Cap's Cap set it off and then Patrick Mahomes just picked it up. It just took the rock and just like now nah, he just saw what what he can and can do. 
Yeah, I definitely think um I think he's a, a wonderful face of the league. I like the way you uh made the comparison between him and Steph Curry. Not on no complexion stuff, you know. What I'm yeah, saying? it wasn't it wasn't real. because of the complexion. No, 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 I, like I, I, no. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't trying to. No, I wasn't insinuating that you were saying that either. Nah. I'm just saying I just wanted to make that clear for the people. Um, I think it's it's interesting because you know both of them grew up in an environment where both of their fathers were professional athletes. You know what I mean? And I think they were groomed and molded in a way to handle uh, media, handle themselves, conduct themselves in a way and understanding the responsibility of being a professional athlete, which also lended them the ability to become very likable figures when it comes to professional sports. You know, I think they're very palatable, you know, pause. Uh, for for just mainstream, and that's it's it's interesting that I say that because on one hand, while they're professional in that way, neither one of them run from their blackness. Neither neither of them run from you know Steph Curry doesn't run from women's issues or anything like that. You know, and Patrick Mahomes speaking up for social justice, I thought that was real big in him because I know some people will hear his voice or some people may see him and even question you know, what he may be if they don't know the lineage of his father, but he's definitely, uh, you know, African-American quarterback. Definitely is. And how I feel about it is, for me, it's changing out the guard. It's, it's, it's changing the face. Like, this is what we once stood for, but this is what it's going to turn into. I'm just waiting to see what it looks like 10 years down the line. Well, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with you. College is very... College football is very um, ahead of the curve when it comes to the style of play that football players are going to play. And the reason why I think it's that way is because, you know, they'll say things that happen in college are very gimmicky, but you realize you play with so many amateurs in addition to people who are potential pros that it just takes that much longer to condition these athletes to be able to do what they do on the pro level, right? So like for every Michael Vick, you know, it was going to take a couple of years before you got to a consistent person like a Lamar Jackson. Cause what Lamar Jackson was doing in Louisville, they just knew it wouldn't work in the league. Right. That's why he fell so far. But we saw it firsthand. We saw it. We all understood what that man was on the football field. Right. Because we're looking at it like the same people y'all are drafting in the first round can't tackle them. You know what I mean? So eventually at some point in time, it's going to catch up. You know what I mean? When he's playing with his particular peer group. So, you know, you look at it like, okay, we got Lamar Jackson. We got Patrick Mahomes. We got Deshaun Watson. We got Dak Prescott. Kyler Murray. James Winston, Kyler Murray. We got Jameis Winston, even though he was, he's not a starter this year, but he's been a starter. And he, even though he was 30 touchdowns and 30 in front. Right. You know what I'm saying? We got Cam Newton. We got Russell Wilson. I'm sorry to put him so low on the list. You know what I'm saying? And that's just eight that just rang off on the top of my head in 32, you know, out of 32 NFL teams, just players, you know what I'm saying? Just starters. We're not talking about backups or anybody like that. And I'm, I'm think I'm missing, I think I'm missing some people, but that's just me reeling it off the top. Uh, no, that's so. everybody. Cause Haskins was a starter and then he got benched. But he's starting. Right. He's starting this season. But to, but to, to mention them, to, well, they said Alex Smith is is going to get a fair shot, yeah. and that's scary. But you know, prayers up to Alex Smith though, because that was a crazy injury, yeah. and seeing that on E sixty was just wild. 
But, you know, at the end of the day, man, I, I kind of feel like we're in a very good place. And as long as there are equal opportunities given to black quarterbacks, I that's all I really want to see. You know what I'm saying? I'm a San Francisco 49ers fan. I'm happy with Jimmy Garoppolo. You know what I mean? And it's not like I want to just kick him out for any, you know, any QB. You know what I mean? So I'm not I'm not trying to make it a racial thing. I just wanted to highlight you know, how, who we are as, as QBs and how far we've come. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely happy with Matt Ryan. Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> That's one I forgot. I ain't, oh, I didn't forgot, name uh, Teddy B. Yeah. We forgot, uh, what was his name? He, he he got drafted by New England. He started in Indianapolis. Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett. Here's another one. <laughs> yeah. So it's it, it but that, but it's a beautiful situation right now that we're in, man. Yeah. He That's lost his job to Phillip Rivers. Yeah. Come on, man. We ain't we not I'm telling you, bro. We're not talking about for the but he did be enough forty five It'd be another forty five minutes. If the season starts, trust and believe, we will we will address that wholeheartedly. Oh, we definitely will. I will highlight the trash that Philip Rivers is. Again. Again. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I was saying, I love Matt Ryan to death. But the draft mm. his replacement, I'm looking for us to lean somewhere in that direction. Because the league is becoming faster on defense. Yeah. And we need a guy right. to be able to get out of the pocket. May not be a scrambler like a Lamar, but just be yeah. mobile enough like a Pat to get out of danger. Uh, I would say like a Russell, because Russell is really good at yeah, avoiding getting hit. And escape but, that's, yeah. Yeah. but that's the beautiful part. When we when you really name them, except for Jameis Winston and maybe Teddy Bridgewater. And even Jameis can get out of the pocket when need be. All of that can move. You know what I mean? Of course, you know, Cam can move. All of them can move. They give you that extra dimension and you start to see more uh, white QBs do it too. I'm not no Josh Allen fan because he, that's over for him. I know that's your but. man, but he booty juice. <laughs> hey, yo, yo, let me tell y'all something. I'm going to tell y'all this right now. I'm 50-50 on him. I used to call him I'm White not, Kaepernick until not, he did that fourth and 27 in the I'm playoffs. Not 100% I digress. On him. I'm not 100% on him. This okay. is about the evolution of the black QB, so I'm gonna leave him alone. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I don't have too many more thoughts on it, fellas. I mean, I know if it's something y'all want to touch on. More black QBs for the future. For and sure. Give them a shot. Do you think that's it? Do you think the Patrick Mahomes contract, the 10 years, all the money he getting, all the stuff you see is going on, the success that he has had, mm-hmm. do you think? that puts more pressure on him as far as like how it's going to look for other black quarterbacks coming in because he's had such a crazy few years and he got this money. So it's like when the other guy, like, cause Lamar's going to get paid, right? Lamar's going to get paid. Deshaun's going to get paid. Dak might this get paid somewhere else for something like that. But I think what, what Pat being the face and him getting the, you know, the money and everything like that, you know, you think that's put more pressure on future Black players. I personally don't because not everybody's going to be a Patrick Mahomes. And smart people should know that. He's an anomaly. Like, nobody yeah. knew who he was. I think he hurt. I think he technically hurt. Uh, he hurt himself. And he hurt a lot of other players in taking that deal just for the length of the contract. Right? Because I honestly believe that if he's the face of the league, as the value of the league goes up, he would have been able to demand more money. Now that he's given this hard cap, you know what I mean? Like this hard line and how much he's going to get paid. 
Like we know the, 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 the Kansas City Chiefs know the most they're going to have to pay him. And at the end of the day, that averages out to about 40, you know what I mean? 40 million a year, 45 million a year. That's not bad at all. So when you do have somebody else come into the league, unless they're winning, you know what I mean? It's going to be a situation where they're always going to try to keep that money around, around Pat, or he's going to have to restructure his contract. That should have taken the LeBron James route. You know what I mean? Right. Because LeBron, he he was the one that had the vision of understanding that if I bet on myself in the short term, I keep the pressure on him, and I'm always going to make my money outside. You know. Right. Yeah, but basketball, but football was, is two totally different. Like, like all the, the more reason the why you should do it though. Yeah. All the more reason why you should bet on yourself in that regard. Because think about it this way: if they ever want to cut ties with this man, they're cool after 140 million guaranteed. Right. He only got 140 million guaranteed. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's nowhere near the that's nowhere near the 500 that everybody's like, oh, okay. So I'm sure after year three or four, man, they in the clear. And there's probably some incentives in there somewhere. <clears throat> right. As opposed to if he would have just smacked him in the face for 250 mil for four years and then just went back out for the year three and hit him for another 250. You know what I mean? You could have kept. You could have kept your foot on the gas with it, so I, th- I think they, I think they'll renegotiate within like, I say like year five. Got to do it faster than that. Yeah, I think like yeah, yeah you got to yeah. do it faster than that only because of the, faster than because because this this is this is the reason why, right? Okay, so he already got his hard line, right? Let's say Lamar Jackson goes in for a little bit more than Pat Mahomes, but over a shorter shorter distance right after him. If Dak Prescott goes through that next franchise tag and now he's a free agent on the market, he can command a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Point, depending on how long Russell stays around, he's going to be up for another contract. You see what I'm saying? So now by that time, you're already, you already three years from now, you're already looking at two people. That's probably going to be making more than Pat Mahomes just off of the market. All right. True, true, true. So Listen, but, I'm happy either way. Hey, I'm happy for him. It ain't my team paying that kind of money. Everybody thought we were stupid when we paid Jimmy G that little amount. We paid him. <laughs> Listen, we paid we paid Matt Ryan a, a boatload, but shit. It ain't as bad as what they paying Pat. <laughs> it's not. But I mean See? the difference between a great QB and the rest of the trash is is a stark difference. Oh yeah. So we'll definitely see. It's been a good one though. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. One thing I want to say, man. Yo, Chad Kelly had the nerve, the mitigated gall to say that he was the second fastest quarterback in the NFL behind Lamar Jackson. I'm like, shut your butt. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You mean Chad Kelly from St. Joe's? Yes. Jim Kelly's nephew? Yes. Who hasn't done squat in the league? Yes. Who's been who's been out here wilding? Well, he was with That's Denver wilding. That's clickbait. Talking about he, uh, talking about he the second fastest. Like shut your, oh man, I trash. Wouldn't, I wouldn't even fit in trash. That, and he got a job, mm. but there's somebody. This like that. Like I said, this black quarterbacks that probably you know former starters or whoever like that probably deserve a job. But he his bum ass got yeah, the nerve. Geno Smith and Vince Young got the nerve. I said I saw that. I was so upset. I was like, dude, shut your, shut up. <laughs> so glad he come to Buffalo. People wanted him to come. You know what? Let's just yeah. end it there because you about to go on a rant. <laughs> so this yeah, has yeah. been part three of our four-part series. Part four is coming soon. I don't want to give too much away, but look out for it. 
I am your boy, Sean Pesos. And your boy, Russ Digi. And this is yours truly, Sadi Stacks. Special thanks to Sadi Sad for coming through. Oh, yeah. Definitely. My brother, my brother. No problem. Appreciate that. Black quarterbacks, man. Black, black empowerment, you know. I ain't even got to say <laughs> nothing else. Let's just end it there. Peace. Peace. Deuces. <laughs>